Welcome to It's Your Community with Vanessa Denha, a public affairs presentation of News Talk 760 WJR. Good morning, everyone. Welcome to It's Your Community. I'm Vanessa Denha Garmo here with Epiphany Communications and Coaching. Our next guest has been on the show before. She's been on the air. She was a former news reporter right here on WJR. She's a freelance writer for many local papers and magazines. Laura Bonnell started her foundation in 2010 and three years ago decided to work full time on the Bonnell Foundation, living with cystic fibrosis. The Bonnell Foundation helps cystic fibrosis families with lung transplant grants, financial assistance, and college scholarships. Laura is also a full-time advocate, which includes trying to get Michigan lawmakers to make the Rare Disease Advisory Council law. This would give a voice to the 1 million people with rare diseases in Michigan. Bonnell is also, Laura is also pushing to raise awareness about people of color who are underdiagnosed in the United States and people in the Middle East who just recently discovered cystic fibrosis actually existed. The average life expect expectancy for a person with cystic fibrosis in the U.S. is 53 years old compared to Egypt, which is eight years old. Welcome to the show, Laura. How are you? Thank you, Vanessa. Doing great. Thanks so, so much. This is incredible. Um, I did not know the disparaging differences between the life expectancies till you shared this with me. And you recently went to Egypt. So tell us, why did it take so long uh, for them to discover this in Egypt? It's because they, honestly, they just didn't think it existed. They have pulmonary doctors there, but they weren't aware of cystic fibrosis being in their country and the Ministry of Health didn't recognize it. And if the Ministry of Health doesn't recognize it, then in fact, it doesn't exist. Um, so it took my daughter's uh, pediatrician, they're adults now, but their pediatrician was uh, Dr. Samia Nasser, their cystic fibrosis specialist. And it took her going back to her native country saying, I know cystic fibrosis exists in Egypt. You have to start testing. So that was 1997. And they kept saying, nope, it doesn't exist here. The doctors wouldn't listen to her. So in 2004, she went back and she said, listen, can I just do a study? Can I test your GI patients and your pulmonary patients? Let's just see if anybody has CF. And she diagnosed 62 people with cystic fibrosis right away. So after that, and after she published a paper in the Journal of Cystic Fibrosis in 2007, then Cairo University got four sweat tests, which is how you measure the sweat to determine if people have cystic fibrosis. Um, and they diagnosed, uh, Dr. Maggie Nagoob diagnosed, I think it was almost 600 people right away. So they have a total of wow. 600 people diagnosed in Egypt right now. And that's just in that one area, that one region. I mean, right? Yeah, okay. it's it's kind of yes. They, okay. you know, people are coming from all over. They're oh, steady. okay. Yeah, because okay. because uh, it's similar in Michigan. I mean, if you if your clinic is U of M, you might have to drive a couple hours. Or well, I got it. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. But um, but they are they're driving all over. Um, and Dr. Nasser right now is putting together protocols in Egypt like we have in the United States, like this is, I mean, I'm not sure exactly all the protocols she's, she's doing right now, but basically it's like, 
here's how you test for CF, here's what you look for, here's the protocol to take enzymes, here's the protocol for medications, things like that. So let's let's take a step back real quick, Laura, too, and explain to our listeners who may not be familiar with cystic fibrosis, what is it exactly and what does a, a sweat test do to determine whether you have it? Sure. So cystic fibrosis is a genetic disease that causes chronic and fatal lung infections, and it interferes with every organ and it interferes with digestion, as I said. So most everyone with cystic fibrosis has to take enzymes to digest their food. They can't digest protein or fat, sugar, Mm. candy, they're pretty good with, but, um, but for protein and fat, they have to uh, take enzymes. And then the sweat test, which is this rubber piece of equipment that goes on their arm, it measures the level of sweat. And if it falls within a certain range, then you know you have cystic fibrosis. And also for parents or for anyone who wants to find out if they're a carrier, because even though um, the Cystic Fibrosis Foundation just updated the number, but now there's 40,000 people in the United States with CF and honestly, probably more than that number, but there are 10 million carriers. So that's a lot of carriers. Like my husband and I are carriers. We didn't know we were carriers, um, had the girls and, and found out that they had cystic fibrosis. How old were your daughters, Laura, when they were officially diagnosed? Well, Molly is 27 years old and she was three months old. Um, I, she tasted salty and the reality is she had greasy poops. Every, no, not everyone likes to talk about poop, of course, but Mm -hmm. that's one of the red flags with cystic fibrosis. And so I was like questioning, like, this doesn't seem right. It's my first child. And I was doing a lot of reading. And then there was also, um, public service announcements that were talking about kiss your baby. And if they taste salty, they could have cystic fibrosis. And I was sure that she had it. And our mm-hmm. pediatrician, who I am friends with and love to this day, she actually was like, you're a first time mom, go back to work. Your daughter doesn't have CF. That's crazy. And I listened to her at first. And then I was, I just kept seeing Molly's symptoms. And I, I called the doctor and I said, she has to be tested tomorrow. I know she has CF. And then um, I was actually on a breaking news story and she called me and she's like, oh my gosh, you're right she has CF. Mm. Uh, Emily, and you know, obviously our girls know this. Uh, my husband had seven other siblings. I had two and I just selfishly, or I don't know, I just, I'm like, we, I want to have another child. So the both of us did. And we thought naively, how could we have two kids with CF, but it's mm-hmm. a one in four chance with each pregnancy. Mm. And Emily does have cystic fibrosis. So we have the two girls and, you know, we're so grateful. Um, Mm -hmm. And now they're, you you know, even then we didn't know it, but you can do in vitro fertilization and they will, um, you know, um, you can do it so that you only have a child that doesn't have the CF, you know, Mm -hmm. gene, but. um, Well, let's, let's talk about Egypt. Sure. What did you do in Egypt? So tell us, give us the background of what you and Dr. Nasser did there in Egypt. Sure. Um, I've been talking about it for a while because I wanted to meet the CF parents there. I just felt like I needed to meet the doctors and the CF team because she was doing such great work. So um, 
we arrived, and I say we because the dietitian from the University of Michigan um, traveled with me, and we met these doctors. We had four days, I think three or four days of clinics with the doctors, teaching them really the basics about cystic fibrosis because they're also still learning. And we just shared information and it was exciting because they're just on the verge of this disease. They're just learning about it. Like it's brand new. So definitely felt like it was stepping back in time. Although that's not to diminish how incredibly smart and wonderful these doctors are. They're on top of it. And then the families meeting with the families, so desperate for information. um, That was the most touching part to me. And like Dr. Nasser said that I brought hope and I don't think we realized that it was the first time Mm. they had met an American mom who has kids with cystic fibrosis. So when I showed them my daughters, 25 and 27, they got tears in their eyes. They were so, they felt like, oh my gosh, there's hope their children could live. Um, Most of them um, are under eight years old. Some have like a seven month old who is just not thriving. Um, and there were, uh, there was a dad who had a 13 year old and there was also a 13 year old at the meeting. So, but most of them are malnourished, um, because they don't have access to enzymes as readily as we do. So they're either taking a lower dose of enzymes or they have to take them every other day because they just don't have enough to just, to sustain, you know, is that, is that why the life expectancy with sister fibrosis in Egypt is so low because of the nutritional factor, not just nutritional. They don't, they can't even get medications. The ministry of health is working on understanding it. Um, the more that doctors are talking to them, but the problem is for six years, six year olds and under the ministry of health is giving enzymes and vitamins. But like I said, not enough, they just don't know yet. So right now, it isn't officially listed as a disease in Egypt. Um, there, they have access to albuterol, a CF medication, but also that's for asthma patients because asthma is recognized in Egypt. But again, they're, they just don't have enough medications. And yes, that's why the life expectancy is so small. And that's why I'm trying to raise awareness because I understand governments are different. I understand all of that, but the more moms and dads that I talk to and doctors, there has to be something worldwide that everyone yeah. can be on a level playing field. So it doesn't matter what country you're in, yeah. everyone should have the same access. Let me ask you this, Laura. So what were these children in Egypt being diagnosed with? They obviously had to know something was wrong. Oh my gosh. Yes. They, they weren't being diagnosed with cystic fibrosis. Um, there's a mom who lost four of her five children to cystic fibrosis. And so I have a mom now, since I went to Egypt and you know, everything's on social media, I am getting, I was getting, um, everybody's on WhatsApp in Egypt, which I love. And so I was getting all these requests. I, I have a mom who reached out to me from Pakistan. She's like, can I get to the doctors in Egypt? I've already lost one daughter to cystic fibrosis now that she knows what it is. And she's like, I cannot lose another child to this disease. So I connected her with the doctors in Egypt and she's going to drive, I think it's five hours to get to Egypt so she can try and save her child. It's just the most heartbreaking. That is heartbreaking. Now, is there a language barrier issue with you helping the women and families in Egypt? 
there yes and no because we had an interpreter um Mm -hmm. and you know many of them did speak a little bit of English but I understand the hesitancy to speak someone else's language right because you think you, you can't speak it well enough but I kept saying to them listen I speak one word of Arabic one word I can only say <laughs> thank you and I always say chokran I say it incorrectly probably yeah, shukran. Well. Yeah, yeah, shukran. see I never say it correctly <laughs> so I kept saying to them I can't even pronounce thank you in Arabic correctly so please uh-huh. you're doing great but most of the time we would put our hands on our hearts or we would do a little bit of sign language and then we did have the interpreter as well but oh my gosh hugging the moms like they didn't let go and 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 it was just one of the moms, Isra, she has a seven month old and she asked me, is my child going to live? And I just started crying because I remember diagnosis day. I remember thinking, oh my gosh, Molly's not going to live. She's going to be gone by before she even gets married because her life expectancy when she was born was about 19. Uh, And you just, you need hope. You just can't imagine that, that, you know, so not a huge language barrier in that sense. Mm-hmm. We're talking with Laura Bonnell here on It's Your Community. She's a longtime reporter, freelance writer today. She is full-time in the Bonnell Foundation, living with cystic fibrosis. We're talking about her recent trip with Dr. Uh, Samia uh, Nasser that they went to Egypt because it wasn't diagnosed in that country. And I'm sure other countries around the world, Laura, you'll discover that maybe not being diagnosed properly and they don't have the proper medication uh, for these children. And so, you know, how can people help the work uh, that you do at the foundation and with Dr. Nasser's quest to get more medications to Egypt? I think um, initially it's raise awareness, tell everyone, um, get it all over your social media, because I think it's beneficial that Egypt sees like, hey, everyone sees and we we support you, Egypt. We want you to help people um, who have cystic fibrosis. The other thing is, even though uh, donations of vitamins for cystic fibrosis and enzymes, even though it's not sustainable, and by that I mean they, they need a regular distribution of medications because if you get donations, it's fabulous, but then they dry up, right? Or yeah. so, but it's still, still, if you want to donate, people can contact the Bonnell Foundation and we'll get them to Dr. Nasser and she will get them to Egypt. Um, but I would say uh, it's talking to, I mean, if anybody knows anybody at the Ministry of Health in Egypt, it's, it's connections, right? It's getting to people and saying, hey, we need to put you in touch with doctors and distributors and they want medications that are regulated in the United States. They want those to be taken to Egypt. Um, Egypt doesn't have the drugs that are needed, so they would need to get them from the United States. And they just need a lot of cooperation um, between everybody that's involved, doctors, pharma, nutritional entities and things like that. What else is going on in the Bonnell Foundation, Laura, that you want our listeners to know about? Well, because we're on the subject, I, I would just start with, you know, advocacy and raising awareness. Um, the Hispanic community, um, people of color, um, the Asian community, um, African-American communities are all underdiagnosed in the United States. So now we have a Hispanic page on our website. Um, everything's in Spanish. 
part of the problem, as I'm sure you're aware, is when things aren't in your language, you're not getting the information that you need. So that's part of the barrier, even for people in Egypt who can see things, you know, on the internet, all over the place and kind of know what they're missing. But also in the United States, um, doctors, pediatricians are still misdiagnosing people of color because they just think it's a, a white disease, which it is not. Um, so advocacy is a huge part of what we do. The other thing is we have lung transplant grants because those, unfortunately, most of the lung transplantation is not covered by insurance. People have to have either two mortgages, one in two different states or you know, rent and a mortgage or something like that. And a lot of travel costs aren't covered. So we do that. And then we, have, we give medical assistance for co-pays and things that aren't covered on insurance. And we do college scholarships uh, to help parents and students who are going you know, to college um, with that financial burden as well. Laura, how common are the transplants? Is that like a necessary treatment that eventually everybody with cystic fibrosis or majority will need that transplant? I don't think everyone will always need a transplant. Um, I'm really not, definitely not an expert on the transplant side of it. Um, okay. But I would say that there are a lot of transplants happening and it's it's very kind of scary because I know so many people who didn't make it through the transplant surgery or died after the transplant and also it doesn't cure the disease you are then a transplant patient so you're not only on your transplant meds then you're also still on your cystic fibrosis meds so you don't per se have cystic fibrosis in your lungs but you still have it in every other organ and you have it in your sinuses. So it takes care of that big, huge problem of being able to breathe, which of course is critical, but it doesn't cure the disease and it doesn't take care of the entire thing. Um, one of the other concerns that we're working to raise awareness about is we have one drug, Trikafta, um, that is out that corrects the underlying condition of cystic fibrosis. But like with us, it works for one child and not the other, just because of some allergies and some reactions. And mm. then there are more than 2000 cystic fibrosis mutations. And so it doesn't help everyone. Um, so if you have a rare mutation, it won't help you. So there's about 10% of the population, plus including kids like my daughter, that can't even take this wonderful drug. Again, that's not a cure, but it's, it's helping more people. Um, and that was something that, um, going back to Egypt, that I told them, America is not perfect. It isn't necessarily the answer. Uh, if your mutation isn't correct, you can't go on this, this trikafta drug that they all want to move to the United States for. So it was kind of like, you know, yes, we have great meds, but we're not perfect over here. So I think letting them know that um, is helpful, but of course you know, all the meds we have would help them tremendously. Let me answer that. You said that a lot of children of color and in different ethnicities are going misdiagnosed. Why is that happening here in the United States? Why do they think it's only a white person's um, disease? And why, I mean, like if a kid goes to the doctor and they obviously something's wrong, do they not test for cystic fibrosis or where's the disconnect? Yeah, I think they either don't test or sometimes, here's the other thing that I'm working on with Dr. Nasser 
is they get tested in newborn screening because newborn screening wasn't available for cystic fibrosis until 2007. It started for PKU back in, I think, 1962, but for cystic fibrosis, it didn't start until 2007. But the reason people of color are still being misdiagnosed is because only the popular mutations, like about 60 of the 2000 are on that newborn screening. So if you're a person of color, it's very likely that your mutation isn't even being tested for in newborn screening. So the doctor may say, oh, well, you had a negative CF test. So we're not, you know, we rule that out. Well, really it wasn't ruled out. It's because we're not screening for everybody that could be diagnosed with cystic fibrosis. And I just think, uh, honestly, I mean, I'm guessing it just goes back to I mean, all the wrongs that started when, you know, with this white belief that every, you know what I'm saying? It's yeah. just, I yeah. just think discrimination, prejudice, yeah. it just all goes back to that, right? So yeah. we're trying to- Or um, just assuming it's a white issue and not even doing the research on the other groups. Right. You know, and like so starting now, to spend the time and money and energy to see what's really happening with these children. Exactly. It's really and sad. It, it is really sad. And in talking to Dr. Nasser, she said, you know, they're saying that there's 70,000 people worldwide that have CF, but she's like, clearly that number is much higher. There's so many people that aren't diagnosed and that are just now being diagnosed. So um, yeah, I've talked to uh, one man, um, Terry Wright. He's 54 years old. Actually, he's not. He was diagnosed when he was 54. He's 60 now. He was misdiagnosed for 54 years. Wow. Um, and he, that's pretty amazing that he, um, was able to reach that age and being misdiagnosed and not getting is. all the proper treatment. Yeah. He was definitely not getting the proper treatment. Wow. That's incredible. We're talking with Laura Bonnell from the Bonnell foundation, talking about cystic fibrosis or trip to Egypt and the statistics and how you can get involved. If people want to help and do, you know, in some way, how do they reach you again, Laura? Um, they can email us at the Bonnell Foundation at gmail.com and Bonnell is B as in boy, O-N-N-E-L-L. They can also go to the website, which is the bonnellfoundation.org. But yeah, I mean, we need volunteer help. Anybody that wants to do small fundraisers would be a big help. We do so much for families. So that would be something that, you know, do a bake sale, do something small, all the small stuff adds up. So Great, Laura, what else do you want to leave with our listeners here in It's Your Community? We have a couple of minutes left with you before we let you go. I just think that, you know, it's, it's very important to realize um, cystic fibrosis is considered an invisible disease because you really can't tell that people have CF. Um, and both my daughters have, you know, people say, oh, you don't look sick. I mean, just remember, I think this goes for anybody. You just never know what people are going through. Um, they're dealing with so much and you just may not know it. I think that a lot of people, um, thanks to the pandemic, have a new heightened awareness about disease and about the importance of thinking about others. So that's wonderful. Um, but I, I just think it's kind of, you know, people realizing what others might be dealing with would be um, very helpful. You know, that's such a good, important, uh, an important point, Laura, to make. Don't assume, you know, somebody else's journey. And I remember many years ago, 
it was the time I was getting married. We're going to my rehearsal dinner and one of my relatives who has a heart issue uh, parks in handicap because she loses her breath. It's she had cancer, long story. And um, so she has a permanent heart damage and she struggles from walking from like her car to inside of a building, just a few steps. And so she has a handicap sticker and um, license plate. I remember her getting out of her car, someone screaming at her, well, you don't look handicapped. And I'm like, do you know her life? Do you know her health? Do you know her issues? Just because you don't see it on the outside doesn't mean she doesn't struggle. Right. And um, it just that we have to be more compassionate and more, you know, of course I'm a Christian, so I want to be more Christ-like, but you know, just more, it's, it's human nature, have compassion for each other. You know what I mean? You don't know, don't assume, you know, somebody's journey because you don't. Right. And, you know, Josh Sheldon is someone I met. Um, I think he was 22. We were doing a photo shoot for the um, portraits of cystic fibrosis calendars that I do every other year that talks, it does, we do inspirational stories about people with CF. Um, and, we did his photo shoot and he died two weeks later. So mm. that's CF, like it, it's so many colds and pneumonias and lung infections. And I, I think that's the other thing, being respectful. If you're sick, I say the masks should never go away. And I don't mean like you have to be masked everywhere, but if you know you're sick, just think of someone else, put your mask on. If you, or, got- or how about stay home? You know what right. I mean? Like, stay let's take home. that a step further. If right. you're, you know, if you're not feeling well, you're sneezing, you're coughing, let's just stay away from people for 24 hours and see what you're, what's going on with you. Right. You know I mean? and, and, yes. And you yeah. don't know who's had a transplant. Yeah. Transplant just be sensitive people to people. Yeah. Amen to that. High yeah. risk. Yes. Yeah, Laura, thank you so much for sharing this story again with us about the Bonal Foundation and all the work that you're doing and your trip to Egypt. We really appreciate you joining us here in It's Your Community. Thanks, Vanessa. It's always great to talk to you and to raise awareness uh, about cystic fibrosis. And people will be able to go to our website here on WJR and share this interview. So it's a great way to bring awareness. You could put this interview on your social media platforms and encourage your friends to listen to it. So Laura, thank you so much for joining us. You can go to WJR to get the archive of this interview once it, it airs right here. So it'll be on the website soon. We hope you check it out at WJR's website. The Bonnell Foundation is hosting the Night of Hope Celebration Gala on Friday, September 30th at the Royal Oak Farmers Market. The event begins at 7 p.m. and includes a strolling dinner, silent and live auction, and guest speakers. Tickets for the largest fundraiser, in the Bonnell Foundation is at the Foundation.org. The Foundation.org. As always, um, we remind you if you have a show idea, a guest idea, topic you want us to cover here on It's Your Community, you can find me, Vanessa Denha Garmo, on any of my social media platforms. I'm on Twitter, I'm on uh, Epiphany Communications and Coaching on Facebook, I'm on Instagram, I'm on LinkedIn. You can private message me there, or you can go to Epiphany Communications and Coaching, and you can send me an email right from the website. As always, I remind all of you, our listeners, to connect, communicate, and to collaborate with your community. Thanks for tuning in. We'll catch you next time here on It's Your Community. It's Your Community, a public affairs presentation of News Talk 760 WJR.